Hello and welcome back to Top of the Hill. I'm your host, Logan Hill, and I gotta say it has been a long time coming. It's been a long break off, but we're back. Top of the Hill is back. And I guess I should say I'm back because going forward, I'm gonna be taking over the show. Just me, Logan Hill. Of course, I'm gonna still have my guests. I love to talk to people. I love to find out things that I don't know. And I love getting that kind of information from my listeners' ears. So um, if you're still here, Thanks for coming back and thanks for waiting me out. Uh, let's get right into what I want to talk about. Obviously, the NFL season's already started, but I want to stop because we're going to talk about everything that happened last week in week four. And also coming up later, I had Tyler, my good old buddy Tyler Kirk co-host back on for some week five game picks. But I just wanted to talk first about the show moving forward. But before I even do that, oh my goodness, you can tell I haven't done a show in a while. We're going to go back. We're going to do a life update for me and kind of give some reasons why maybe I haven't been doing a couple of shows a week. And let's just start with what there's to start about. I'm doing a lot. I'm back at the University of Maryland for my senior year as a journalism student. And I'm involved with three extracurriculars outside of just my studies, which are going how they're going. It's, it's a little tough to be back on campus and be a regular student again, but i I'm doing a lot of cool stuff outside of the classroom and starting off with, it's called The Left Bench. Well, The Left Bench is a student-run TV show, TV production aspect out here on campus at University of Maryland. And they were looking to bring their writing back starting in the fall. So I applied to be the managing editor uh, the day of the deadline. I saw it on Twitter and I said, let me just throw my name in the ring. Well, I set up a meeting with the executive producers. Their names are Kevin and Katie. They're awesome. They're fellow students. Katie's my year and Kevin's a year below me. They're amazing executive producers and they're really good at what they do. But they said, hey, Logan, we kind of already decided on someone as managing editor, Noah. His name's Noah Ferguson. He's awesome. He's been great to work with so far. How would you feel about being the football beat writer? Now, I've never been a beat writer before during my four years here. I did a little bit of beat coverage in one of my classes of a small town, but never for a team. But I said yes, because it sounded like an amazing opportunity, and it has been just that so far. I get to go to all the games, all the home games, that is. There's been one away game so far. I covered that from my couch. Even that was a cool experience, but I get to go to the games, and I sit up in the box, and I feel like a true professional. And I get to write a story while the game's going on, and it gets published, and then I go to post-game. I get to hear the coaches talk. I get to hear the players talk. It's just been a lot of fun. And it it's cool to kind of have a look at what I could be doing on a day-to-day basis as I get a job after graduation. I'm also involved with WMUC Sports, the student radio. I've been involved with them since my freshman year. But I went for a board position this time. I got a job as co-director of social. Um, I say a job. It's all for experience. And it's been a lot of fun. I've been on the men's soccer crew as well. So I've gotten to call a couple of games. Went out to Georgetown back on uh, September 11th and called the top 10 soccer matchup, the first one of the season across all the, the, the NCAA. And I got to call that matchup. It's been a lot of fun. I've also been in charge of putting out some of the tweets for games and scheduling. And I'm a crew chief for volleyball. That's been a new challenge, but it's been a lot of fun. And as always, still a part of Terps Watch, which I that was the first thing I ever got involved with out here at the University of Maryland. WMUC might have come first. Well, either way, I got involved as Turks Watch as a freshman, and now I'm in charge, basically. I'm editor as a senior. Um, it's me and a couple of other seniors, and we're putting together good stuff. The Twitter has been really fun to run so far, working on that kind of stuff, working on the Twitter, working on 
blogs and stuff like that. And it's actually a nice little reprieve from covering the football team as a beat writer because sometimes you just have a silly take that you want to fire off. And Terps Watch is sometimes the place for that. So that's kind of what I've been up to out here. And it's as a result, Top of the Hill hasn't exactly been able to have the time that I've needed to do it. Well, I'm looking to change that. And I'm looking to bring it back on a weekly basis. So let's get into the show moving forward. Like I just said, I want to talk a little bit about that. Right now during NFL season, obviously NFL is my bread and butter. I'm going to do a lot of NFL previews, a lot of recaps, uh, game picks when I can get guests on. I had Tyler come on and do game picks for this week. So that'll be at the end of the show. Turned out really good. It was good to talk to Tyler again and see what he's up to. I'm also going to try to just make this a guest-based show, do what I can to just get a new guest every week. This week, I got his name's Alex Murphy. He was a fellow Terp with me. He graduated last year. He does a lot of cool stuff, including some Rays coverage because he's a huge Tampa Bay Rays fan. So I got I chopped it up with him about the MLB playoffs as they're getting underway. The wild card game's on right now as I'm taping this show. Um, it's going to have game picks, like I said, with Tyler. And then I also I'm changing top of the hill takes because they're not going to go anywhere. I've changed it. So now top of the hill takes is I'm going to give three takes at the end of every episode. I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to make a poll and I'm going to say, which take do you think is the craziest or something like that? Maybe just a way to drive some interaction between me and you guys, the listeners out there, and just let me practice my takes a little bit more, I guess. With that being said, let's do some NFL week four. NFL week four. Okay, I didn't do every game, but these are my top hits from last week, and it was a good week in the NFL. Chiefs and Eagles started things off. They won it. I believe the final was 42-24. to 24. Let me just double-check that for you so I don't get that wrong. Good journalism. Anyways, they won it 42-30, to 30, so it's a good thing that I checked. I had that score wrong in my prep sheet and never went back and fixed it. Patrick Mahomes tossed five touchdowns, including three of them to Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs come back and they're at two and two now uh, back on track after back-to-back losses to the Ravens and the Chargers. And the biggest question mark with them this year is obviously just their defense because that offense is going to be that offense and they can score at will when they want to, and they can put up a lot of points every week. But if their defense is giving up the same amount of points, then it just takes one or two miscues to maybe swing the tide of some of those wins and losses. And if that's the margin of error for this team this year, maybe the chiefs don't soar to the heights that they've been able to in the last couple of years, but Andy Reid, the defense might figure it out, probably will, and they'll probably end up going like 14-3 and three or something like that, 17 games this year. So maybe that take will look really bad when I say the Chiefs might have an up-and-down year. But I think it's going to be important to start stacking some wins now because if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't want to have to constantly play that game. And I got into this with Tyler later on, just of having to get back to 500 because that's a, it's a tough season and it's a tough game to play. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, for the Eagles, he looked okay, much better than he looked against Dallas. The thing with the Eagles that I can't figure out this year is their football is very entertaining to watch. They do some exciting things. They have a mobile QB and Hurts, but they're just not getting the results that they need to be getting to win games, and that's why they're one and three and could easily be one of the worst teams across the league this year if they can't figure it out, if turnovers are a problem, if they can't be consistent. But I just – I don't know. I think that was a clear case of the Chiefs and the Eagles being in different classes in the NFL right now. Jets versus Titans. The Jets got their first win in the season, 27 to 24, in overtime over a depleted Titans team that was missing both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Zach Wilson finally put together a good performance, a game-winning performance, some would say. Uh, Zach, he had 297 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. 
He had a handful of nice deep throws and looked more comfortable in his fourth ever NFL game. And honestly, I don't know what the Jets ceiling is. I think maybe four wins, five wins, something like that. They're not going to be a playoff team this year. They don't have enough pieces. But I, for whatever reason, I'm on the Zach Wilson train. I think he can be a competent starting QB. But I did think the same thing about Sam Darnold and the jury's still out on him with a new team. I think it would be interesting for the Jets to be in contention for a playoff spot in the AFC. I think that's a fun brand of football, and I think the Jets are a fun organization to watch them have some success, and I think the fans will come as the wins come. For the Titans, on the other hand, obviously not having Julio or A.J. Brown impacted them, and that's why they didn't play to their full potential and lost to a Jets team at home. That they Obviously, coming into the year, they probably counted that one as a win. That being said, they have to pick it up and move on and get healthy. Another game. Ravens versus Broncos. Uh, the Ravens finally, finally had a comfortable win. They won it 20-7. to seven. It's the first time all season they had the thriller in Vegas where they lost in overtime. Then they had that crazy Sunday night game against the Chiefs that they won by one point. And then week three, Justin Tucker's 66-yard record NFL kick to beat the Lions, who nobody's picking to be barn burners or anything, but they played them all the way. Obviously a lot of injuries, but that's the story of the season. You can't beat the bush any other way um injuries are going to be what they are the ravens with lamar jackson back there you kind of just it's going to be exciting to watch week in and week out and they should continue to win it's a winning organization i think they've proven that in each of the last couple of years and with a superstar back there taking the snaps they should be in every game are they going to win every game probably not they're missing key pieces across the board on both sides but they're going to fight they're going to come to fight every week and they're keeping pace which is actually a little weird. They're keeping pace in an AFC North that features three, three and one teams right now in the Browns, the Bengals and the Ravens. So they're not going to have a lot of room for a slip up. So if they're planning to get back to the playoffs and make some noise in the AFC, like there are their intentions every year to get to a Super Bowl, they're going to have to kind of keep that pace going. Another team in the AFC North. Oh, excuse me. Let me go back to the Broncos for a second. I should have talked about them. I just talked about the Ravens. Can you tell I kind of have homer tendencies sometimes. I can't help it. I grew up in Baltimore. But the Broncos, they were 3-0, and but they had beaten the Jets, the Giants, and the Jaguars to start the season. Teddy Bridgewater goes out at halftime with an injury, and Drew Locke never really got comfortable in the second half. So I don't think their season's over, obviously. This wasn't their Super Bowl. They have more games to play. Uh, 13 more. I'm sorry, the 17 games is going to throw me off all season. But 13 more games to play. They have a very, very good defense. And as long as Bridgewater's back there, once he comes back from this concussion, they're going to play winning football. And they'll probably be in contention for the AFC West, which is another hot division race as this year's kicked off as September came to a close. Moving along to another AFC North team, the Packers took on the Steelers in Green Bay last weekend. And It was another one for the Packers who are back on track after an embarrassing week one loss. They won it 27 to 17. Packers are three and one and a long time away from that Saints loss where they got demolished to start the year. On the other side, the Steelers have fallen to one and three after beating the Bills to open the year. And people thought the Steelers were going to continue business as usual. They have a short passing game. They got to figure it out. Roethlisberger has not looked great at times and it's really just something they have a great defense. It's something that needs to get ironed out and, I believe it will. Pittsburgh, again, is another one of those winning organizations. So they're going to try to figure out what their issues are and try to get things back on track. Because, like I said, the AFC North already hotly contested three teams or three and one. And they started out the year 11-0 last year. I don't think they're just going to be content sitting in the bottom of the AFC North. The Bills and the Texans, the Bills did what 
they should do to the Texans. They beat them 40 to zero. It was the bills that we expected coming into the season, as well as the Texans we expected coming into the season, starting Davis Mills after Tyrod Taylor goes out with injury. So Nim Mills was drafted this year, a late round pick. There's really just nothing good to say about the Texans. And if you're a Houston Texans fan, just, I guess, enjoy the ride that this season is going to be. It's not going to be a fun one. Uh, Seahawks 49ers, Jimmy G goes out with an injury, paving the way for Trey Lance to come in and try to do some heroics. And I think that maybe he could be the starter moving forward. He offers a lot of interesting capabilities in this Kyle Shanahan offense that Jimmy Garoppolo just simply can't do. So I don't know if there'll be a QB battle there as the year plays out as Jimmy G comes back from that calf injury. But in the rest of the game, in relief of Garoppolo, Lance had 157 yards passing along with two touchdowns. So maybe he's the QB of the future there, and maybe that future starts right now. Seahawks, on the other hand, Russell Wilson does his thing. They win the game. So that's the, that's the stat that matters is the Seahawks won the game, and they're going to have a Thursday night matchup with the Rams here today if you're listening to this on Thursday. Uh, Rams versus Cardinals, who I just talked about the Rams a second ago. The Cardinals took down the Rams 37-20. to 20. And the Cardinals are the only undefeated team left in the NFL, and they're on top of a very, very good NFC West. Coming into the year, it was all talked about that the NFC West is probably the best division in football, and it's looked apart so far. The Rams are good, the Cardinals are good, the Seahawks are good, and the 49ers can be good too. I mean, it's really just kind of a pick your poison, but I think the Cardinals are finally putting it together. They have good defensive play. Chandler Jones had five sacks in week one. That's just a stat you need to just appreciate for a second, but – The Cardinals are going to look and they're going to keep trying to stack their wins in a contested division race. And if this is the year where Kyler really puts it all together the entire season, they should be a team to beat come playoff time. The Bucs and the Patriots, the return of Tom Brady to Foxborough, just a very, it was one of those nights where football feels like a movie. And that's the best way I can kind of describe it. He wrote, Tom Brady broke the all-time passing yards record in Foxborough, the place that he played since 2000, 2001, to just go back home. And in case you're not aware of how the NFL scheduling works, LFC and NFC teams play each other once every four years. And that's changed a little bit now with the extra game. But the way it's always gone is once every four years. And when that four-year comes along, you play one at home, and then four years later, you play away. So just the way that it worked out that Tom Brady was in Foxborough to break the record in front of all the Patriot faithful that supported him for six Super Bowls, just just very crazy. And the game itself was, while it felt like the longest game ever while watching it, it was a competitive game the whole way. Nick Folk for the Patriots had the chance to try to win it from 56 in a literal monsoon. And that's just what I want to take a step back there. And what is up with the rain? In Foxborough, when the Ravens played there last year, it was a monsoon at the end of the game as they tried to mount a comeback. Nick Folk, a monsoon, as he's trying to make this kick from 56 yards away. And literally the rain had stopped and it just came back harder than it was. So I don't know. Obviously the Patriots are not the Patriots they're used to being, and it's going to be an uphill battle all year for them as they try to figure out how to move forward in this Matt Jones era. And for the Bucks, it was just a Pretty hard-fought win on a night where Tom Brady made some more history and the Bucs are going to be the Bucs as long as Tom Brady's running the show. Finally, the Monday night game was Raiders versus Chargers. The Chargers opened up a 21-0 lead in the first half. And this was my first real good look at Justin Herbert in this game. And he looked very composed and methodical. And I think that's exactly what you want from a young QB. Obviously, he looks like a star in the making. A lot of people have said that. I'm not the first person to make that take. But I, I can appreciate how composed the, the kid looked. He's a young guy. He's a second-year player, taken in the top 10 last year, and just 
looks like he's going to be the guy in Los Angeles for a while. On the other hand, I don't know what it is. I love the Raiders. I love the Raiders. I was sitting here watching the game with a friend, and I just kept saying, like, careful, the Raiders are coming. Here they come, the Raiders. And it looked like they were going to do just that, a missed field goal by Daniel Carlson that would have cut it to 21-17. to Kind of took away the momentum they were building in that game as the Chargers scored another touchdown on their next drive to kind of put the game away. And I just want to ponder that for a second with, with that just – being the thought, is this the year that the AFC West catches up to Kansas City? Obviously, back-to-back Super Bowls for Kansas City. They haven't really faced a ton of competition in their division. But the Chargers look for real. The Raiders look for real. And the Broncos aren't shabby either. So I think that's going to be an interesting division battle to watch, and especially when they take on each other in division. I Obviously, you never want to pick against Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But if the division's caught up to them, it's going to be a very, very exciting season to watch. Now, with all that being said, that was NFL week four. I want to turn, I want to switch gears now, and I want to introduce Alex, talk about some MLB playoffs, and that's going to be on the other side of this sound right here. No more parties in LA. Please, baby, no more parties in LA. So now I want to welcome on uh, my good friend, Alex Murphy. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Bringing back Top of the Hill. I'm very excited and you called me out of the blue and I thought there'd be nobody better to talk about the MLB playoffs with as they start to get underway. The wild card game, uh, St. Louis and LA is on right now. Yep. Right now while we're recording, St. Louis is up one. Not a, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but this Adam Wainwright guy, I've heard of him before. Adam Wainwright's a very good pitcher. He's been, so back in 2006 when they won the world series, the Cardinals won the world series in 06, he was a closer. So it was the same situation as what David Price was when he first started out with the Rays, where he started out as a reliever and then um, with the expectation that he was going to be a starter. And now he's probably been one of the best starting pitchers in, in Cardinals history uh, overall. So he like, if, if there was anyone who was going to start this game, even though he's like almost 40 years old, it was going to be him. Absolutely. And so you just mentioned the Rays right there. Before I get into any of my questions, why don't you tell me and my listeners a little bit more about what you're up to right now? Yeah. So speaking of the Rays, um, uh, I don't know if this is going out on uh, video or not. And if it is, I'm currently eating a uh, an Icy Pop and it is fantastic. If you guys don't have those, you should get them. They're really, really good, even though I'm pretty sure like everyone knows what they are. But uh, so I am a Tampa Bay Rays fan, even though I'm from South Jersey. I grew I grew up a Phillies fan. I became a Rays fan in the late 2000s, kind of in and around the time that they won the World, or that they went to the World Series. They won the World Series. The Phillies won, which was weird because obviously I was a I was a Phillies fan at the time. Uh, and then I became a Rays fan. Uh, ended up being a fantastic choice because the Phillies suck now. And they haven't been in the playoffs in a decade. So uh, yeah. So what I decided to do at the start or in because for those that don't know last year was a weird season with the pandemic and there was a shortened 60 game season and then the playoffs was weird there were there were more teams included everything was just strange about last year so what I did with a couple of my friends um one of whom you might know uh Logan uh Evan Lynch uh yeah we did a uh me Evan and another Evan who we call Gibby because last name's Gibson it's just a lot easier to call him uh Gibby than it is the other way around uh, so we started this podcast called Raise the Roof, which was just talking about the Rays. And it went – it was really successful going into the postseason, through the postseason, obviously. It helped that the Rays went to the World Series. And then we've kind of expanded it since then. And we've had on some some big-name people in the baseball world. I think we're over 2,100 followers now on Twitter. We have a podcast. We have 
it's kind of crazy how much it's how much it's blown up. And then obviously with the playoffs going on now, uh, we're gonna have a lot more coverage. People that are in our uh, on our team are going to some of the games. Unfortunately, I can't go to the games because I'm I'm still in New Jersey. But uh, people on on our team are gonna be going to some of the playoff games. So we're gonna get some coverage there. And it's been awesome. Uh, we are, if you guys want to follow us, like if you're a Rays fan or if you're just a baseball fan, and you want to learn more about the Rays and you want to find people who actually care about the Rays. Cause you know, there's not really a lot of them out there and there is that stereotype going around. It's uh, j- just raise the roof TV. Uh, so TV is in Tampa Bay uh, just on social media and Twitter is kind of our biggest platform, but we're trying to expand more on like TikTok and Instagram and things like that. But yeah, like, uh, I guess kind of going into that uh, with the Rays, they're the number one seed in the AL right now. I feel really confident about this team overall. I don't know what it is, but they've encountered so many problems this year with injuries to their pitching. I mean, their top starter went down with a partially torn UC, uh, UCL ligament in his pitching arm and then had to get Tommy John surgery, which means that he's going to be out the rest of the season and probably all of the 2022 season. But right now going into the postseason, their first three starters are all going to be rookies. Like they've adapted in ways that I didn't even know were physically possible. They've had guys step up that haven't stepped up before. What was a team that relied on pitching and defense is now a team that has one of the best offenses in baseball. I don't understand it, but it they, they make do with what they have and they do really like – like they're incredible at it. I okay. just don't get it. Yeah, well, so that kind of actually leads me into one of my questions. You said the the Rays are the one seed in the AL, and I believe the Giants are the one seed in the NL. And so that was my yeah. question: is who are the teams to beat? And if it is those two one seeds, if they're the team to beat in each league, why? So that is an interesting question. I, I would say. In the definitely in the in the AL, the Rays are the team to beat. They it seems that I I don't understand it, but it seems that everything that they've done has been right. They've found ways to just continuously adapt and have guys step up that you wouldn't think would step up. And it does help that they have. Oh look, there's Juan Soto. If you, if you guys were wondering, um, Juan Soto is currently at the wild card game. Um, he is wearing a Trey Turner jersey. Trey Turner's on the Dodgers. Uh, Juan Soto also torched the Dodgers in the playoffs two years ago and helped the Nats win the World Series. So I don't, I don't, I don't know what kind of omen that is for the Dodgers. But, uh, but yeah, the the Rays, like, it helps that they have or that they had the number one prospect in baseball, Juan Franco. They brought him up. He then proceeded to tie a major league record for the longest on base streak of any player age 20 or younger. And he currently has the American League record, which he surpassed Mickey Mantle to do so. So if you're, and then he tied Frank Robinson. So if you're in the conversation with Mickey Mantle and Frank Robinson, that's a good conversation to be in. Um, so they have him, their pitching staff. I don't know how they've managed to adapt with their pitching staff, but they've had guys step up that have been really good that have put in quality innings. You have a very, very good offense, one that was very much lacking at the end of last year with. Um, and the reason kind of a big reason why they went to the World Series was Randy Rosarena had the playoff of his life and literally the best playoff postseason offensive onslaught of any player ever. He had the most hits. He had the most uh, home runs. He was 
he was insane beyond insane. And like that helped them get there. But this year they have so many other guys that are contributing along with him that I, I'm very confident. Like I'm not trying to be like overtly confident and be cocky about it because I know that at any point something can go bad. But I, I do think that with everything included, uh, pitching, hitting, everything, they have what's needed to win. On the National League side, I know the Dodgers in the wild card game right now, and they are losing. But on paper, the Dodgers have the best roster in the National League, without a question. You have guys like Mookie Betts. You have guys like Trey Turner, who I just talked about. They literally traded for him, an all-star caliber player, an MVP caliber player at the deadline, along with Max Scherzer, former National. Two guys that they got in the same deal from the Nationals, which is just insane to think about. I know they gave up a big haul for him, but still, insane stuff. They have Will Smith behind the plate who's been really good. They have um, A.J. Pollock. They have Chris Taylor. They have Justin Turner at third base. They have such a – just a, a very strong team overall of guys. Uh, and, and you would expect them, because of the Dodgers, you would expect them to do well. I will say, though, so the, so the, so the Giants right now that are the number one seed, no one expected them to do anything this year. They were a team that kind of came in. They had a manager who was – a joke in Philadelphia in Gabe Kapler and said things that people continuously played on sports talk radio to no end and clown him like as if he had no clue what he was doing. And he just managed a team that won 107 games in the regular season and has had guys, every event that they've had has had a career year. They've had incredible pitching performances. They've had contributions from guys like, like former Maryland Terrapin Lamont Wade jr. Who's been one of the best players on it. Like, a guy that they got randomly from the Minnesota Twins and has been really good. They've had renaissance guys like Darren Ruff and other guys like that that have just been really good for them. And I, uh, like, right now, even though the Dodgers, you know, whatever happens in this game happens in this game. Like, like this, things could be different in a second. But the Dodgers are the best team on paper, but the Giants, because they're actually solidified in a postseason spot, the Giants are a very dangerous team. Okay. That makes sense. And on the flip side of that, as I want to know, as someone who's covered this MLB season day in and day out, who are the surprises that didn't make it to the postseason? Okay, so surprises that didn't make it. Um, I, I think for the most part, like every team that I think people thought were was going to make the postseason did make the postseason. I think that people were surprised that the Mets didn't make it, even though the Mets are the Mets. And like anything that you think can happen wrong with a major league team – will happen wrong because it's the Mets. Um, and it's, it's one of those things where, like, they had – I think they they set a record for the most days in in first place of, of any team in Major League Baseball history and didn't win the division. They, I think they were in they were in first place for, like, 100-plus days and didn't win the division, which is just an insane thought. Um, I will say the Blue Jays not getting in was surprising, um, but – the Blue Jays were also in the same division as the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox. So it was going to be hard coming out of there because there wasn't a good chance that there was going to be four teams. I mean, like, there was really no – unless they had an insane year, there was no way they were going to make it in because there were two teams ahead of them that were probably going to make the wild card game, which is what ended up happening. Um, Oakland not making it was kind of interesting, but Oakland fell off. Um I'm trying to think if there's any other team that would be of note. 
I, I think pretty much those are it. I, I will say the Mariners made a run for it at the end. They haven't been to a playoffs. They haven't been to a postseason in 20 years. So that wasn't surprising. That was more of just like they, everything clicked at the right time and they had a really, really good season and they just didn't finish it off at the end. But they have playoff aspirations in their future and I think that they can make it. It's just they didn't make it this year. Absolutely. And you talked a little bit about the AL East right there and that's kind of what I wanted to know more about. As a Rays fan, as someone who covers the Rays, what is it kind of – is it weird? I, I don't know what the right word for it is, but to be in a division that features the storied New York Yankees, the storied Boston Red Sox, and then you have the Rays, who aren't as storied but are a very, very good team, and then also have the Blue Jays, who had a great year this year, and then finally at the very bottom, like way down the list, my <laughs> Orioles. What is it like to just be a fan of a team in that division that's not a Red Sox or a Yankees fan? It is, it is weird. I, I, think it's, I think it's a lot funnier because, like, for example, so last season uh, the Rays played the Yankees in the ALDS. Uh, they also played the Blue Jays as well. Now, the Blue Jays have been kind of a very much an up-and-down team recently. Uh, so I can't really say that being a Blue Jays fan is something that's, like, really weird. I, I, I will say it's more common. Um, I mean, obviously, when you have the entire country of Canada – there's no other baseball team there. Probably everyone in Canada is going to be a Blue Jays fan. So there's a lot of people there that care. Uh, being a Rays fan is definitely something that's weird. So in the playoffs, when the uh, when the Rays played the Yankees and beat the Yankees, I have a couple friends that uh, of mine that are Yankees fans, and I just didn't know what to expect in that series. Like I was expecting the unexpected, and the thing that happened in that series was earlier in the season. Uh, there was a guy on the Rays, Mike Brasso, who in the ninth inning of a game against the, uh, what's it called? Uh, against the Yankees, uh, closer Roldis Chapman threw a pitch that nearly hit him in the head. It was a 101 mile an hour fastball and nearly hit him in the head. He ended up striking out that at bat. The Rays lost. Uh, he got pissed off. The manager got pissed off and said stuff and kind of sparked a, sparked, sparked a fire under them, I would say. The next game, Brasso hit two home runs off of the Yankees starter. They ended up winning that game. In the playoffs, then, we get to game five of the ALDS, so winner take all. In the eighth inning, I, th- I don't know how many outs there were, but Chapman was in to try to um, – I think he was probably going for a two-inning uh, two save just because they needed guys and their bullpen was depleted. Brasso comes up against Chapman and has this incredible at-bat. It's like a 9-10 pitch at-bat. He hit a ball that was a – he hit a breaking pitch, uh, a foul ball that probably went into the third deck because uh, they were playing in San Diego at the time. So uh, the third deck at Petco Park. And I was like, oh, my God, that was his pitch, and he screwed it up, and he messed up the at-bat. And then, like, two pitches later, Chapman threw him a 99-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle of the plate, and Brasso connects on it and hits a home run, like a line drive home run. It's like the second row of the, uh, of the outfield. And – I was just in a I was in in shock when I when I saw it. I didn't think it was actually real. And to hang that over my friends' heads to know that like this guy who is now basically someone who's hovering between Triple A and uh and the major league team hit a home run to win a series against the Yankees off Chapman, who's uh, can, you know, one of the hardest throwing uh, I mean the hardest throwing pitcher in major league baseball history. That's really funny. Like, it's one of those things where it's like these Yankees and and Red Sox fans have been fans. I mean, they've been they've been a team. They've been teams for 120 years now. The Rays have been a team for like 25. And 
to just see the amount of success that the Rays are having against these storied franchises when everyone continues to clown them for all this garbage, whether it be deserved or not deserved, is just honestly really satisfying at the end of the day. Absolutely. And so now turning the page, Boston beat New York. The Yankees beat them in the wild card playoff last night. And so they're going to get a matchup with the Rays here in this first round series. Mm-hmm. Did you learn anything from that game or what are kind of your expectations for this series for the Rays? Uh, I learned nothing from that game because I already knew enough about the Red Sox coming in. It was no offense to them. I mean, they played a good game against the Yankees. They got to Garrett Cole, who was not good in his recent playoff appearance or in his recent just appearances overall. This this Red Sox team right now, now the, the big question is whether J.D. Martinez will play because he hurt his ankle like the last game of the year. He tripped over second base in, in, in D.C., uh, when they were playing the Nats and he like screwed up his ankle and it doesn't seem like it's good. So I don't know why they, I mean, they're going to try, they're going to push him out there, even though that's a terrible idea because you're going to screw him up for the next year. Like I understand trying to win a playoff series, but I also understand trying to compete for the long term. So like why screw, screw up a guy, but baseball is baseball. Who cares? Uh, the way that I see this series is that I, well, the Red Sox use their best starter in my opinion Last night, Nathan Nathan Eovaldi pitched a really good game. He won't – so the game was on a Tuesday. First two games in this series are a Thursday and a Friday. Uh, And then I think there might be a day off in between. So he probably won't pitch until, like, game four probably. Um, The Rays right now have three – so like I said, they are – I don't know if I ever said this, but they have three – uh, their first three starters in the, in the playoffs are all rookies. Uh, Shane McClanahan, who's a lefty. Shane Boz, who's thrown like 12 innings of Major League Baseball, uh, was in the minor leagues the majority of the year, but throws 99 and has incredible breaking pitches and just a great feel for the game and looks really confident. And then Drew Rasmussen, who is a reliever turned starter and has had like a sub two ERA as a starter since being converted uh, earlier in the season. And the Rays have have matched up against the Red Sox well. They're they're eleven and eight against them this year in the regular season. In in Boston, I think they've scored eight runs or more in like every game except for maybe like one or two. For they, they just mash there. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, but they I, just some guys are just really good there. They've beaten them in crucial series against their best pitchers and have beaten them well. Um, I mean, like, it, it's, it's, it's a big thing because a lot of, like, the, the matchups look, look really well for the series. Brandon Lau, uh, another former Terp, uh, my favorite player uh, in baseball right now, he at at Fenway Park this year has like a 500 average and like a 1400 OPS. So when they get to Boston, they're going to basically have to pitch around him, which is going to be that's that's not good for them. Wander Franco, who I already mentioned, has like a 300 plus average and like an 1000 OPS against the Red Sox this year. Nelson Cruz, who they picked up at the trade deadline, has been really good in Boston so far this year. They have a lot of guys who have produced against the Red Sox, and the pitching has also produced against the team, and they've held them in check. And I I think it's a really good series for matchups. The one thing I fear from the Red Sox side of it is Hunter Renfro, who was on the Rays last year, 
had a bad year probably due to just COVID being weird and screwing up everyone uh, and has had a renaissance season with the Red Sox, his best season by far in his career and has mashed the Rays so far this, this in, in the regular season. And there's it, with that, there's no reason to pitch to him. And if you're going to pitch to him, there's a really easy way to get around him. And that's just throwing sliders outside because he can't hit them. And they're going to be stupid and try to challenge him. And then he's going to hit a home run here and there. And he already knows how to play in Tampa Bay because he literally played again. He literally played in the park last year. So that if, if he can have a really good series, that's going to be not good for the Rays. But like I said, the Rays pitching matches up well against the Red Sox. They've seen them 19 times this year. So I, I think it should be a good series. Gotcha. And I'll, I'll get you out of here on this one is give me your way too early World Series prediction and winner and how many games. So I, I'm I last year when I, I did a I did um, the one podcast, I no longer do it, but we did like a Major League Baseball preview and I had the Rays losing to the Dodgers in six games, which is exactly what happened. So kind of kind of disturbing there. But it ended up happening. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm like – I know everything about baseball. But I I am picking the Rays to win this year. I, I feel confident about the team. I think they have – everything seems to be going well for them. Like, everything is clicking into place at the right time. I know that they had a very interesting September. But they played well at the end of September. They beat the teams that they needed to beat. They just look like a really good team. And just look like a really complete team. Even, I mean, they've had like 20 guys plus guys on the IL on on the pitching staff, which is insane that they won a hundred games this year with the amount of guys that they've had on the IL. They brought up dudes who sold, who, who sold solar panels in the off season as pitchers and had like a sub two ERA. That, that just doesn't happen anywhere. It it's, there's just something about them. So I think I now, the other team I had in the NL, I am concerned about this pick because they lost their best, probably their best reliever, uh, which is the Brewers. They've lost Devin Williams because he, he was an idiot and decided to punch a wall after they won. I think like the division or something like that. He fractured his hand. So uh, good job, Devin, you idiot. Um, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast, but I have the Rays beating the Brewers in seven games. Okay. That's your take. I love it. Um, once again, Alex Murphy, Raise the Roof Pod, and so much other stuff. Do you want to highlight any of the other stuff you're up to right now before I let you out of here? I mean, yeah, other than – so other than uh, Raise the Roof, I have um, I have a college marching band podcast because I did co- a march band in college. I do that one called College Band Radio. You guys can just find us wherever podcasts are. Uh, and then I'm also doing some writing stuff for the Severna Park Voice, which is a newspaper in Severna Park, Maryland. Uh, Press Box, which is a publication, sports publication based out of, uh, what's it called, based out of Baltimore, and then a uh, this thing called Prep Network, where I'm doing some high school girls basketball stuff in New Jersey, so you guys can check me out there. Cool, absolutely. Once again, thank you, Alex, and thank you for getting me ready for the MLB playoffs and anybody that listens to this, so thanks. Awesome. Take care. Just a huge, huge thank you to Alex for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed what he had to say. Definitely more knowledgeable about the MLB than I am. So it was cool to talk to someone that knows more about the game and could kind of give me an insight as long 
as well as along with you guys kind of give you an insight. So I'm going to look into having him come back on as the playoffs continue because even though he's a, a diehard Rays guy, he seems pretty knowledgeable about the game as a whole. So I like Alex a lot. I got to work with him a little bit at Maryland, and I'm going to look to keep talking to him down the road. Now let's switch gears again. Let's go back to the NFL. I had Tyler come back, and we did some game picks. So that's going to be right here. No more parties in L.A. Please, baby, no more parties in L.A. All right, so extra special bonus guests. want to welcome my good friend Tyler Kirk back to top of the hill for game picks this week. It's going to be a big week five. I think you agree after a couple of great weeks to start the season. So let's just start there. Let's go game by game, and let's start with what is tonight's game, if you're listening to this today on Thursday, uh, the Rams at the Seahawks. Who do you have and why? Thanks for, me, for bringing me back on the show. It's always a pleasure. Um, for the first game on Thursday in Seattle, I want to take the Rams. It's kind of tough because the Seahawks are two and two right now. So it's hard to see them falling to two and three. However, the Rams just got smacked by the Cardinals last week to everyone's surprise. So I think the Rams take that one in a close matchup. Uh, I agree. I think the Rams are going to win that one. I don't know why, because obviously you never want to pick against Russell Wilson. You just don't want to do it. But I think after – I don't think they expected to lose to the Cardinals last week. Of course, both were undefeated coming into the matchup. But I just think – I think the Rams will have a better showing tomorrow night than they did last Sunday. So, moving along from that one, it's the Jets and the Falcons in London. Two dumpster fire NFL teams right now, sending them across the pond. Who do you have in that one? Yeah, I'm taking the Falcons. That's kind of an easy pick. I mean, big surprise that the Jets won last week. I'm happy for them, but – yeah, Jets are still a dumpster fire, like you said. Falcons, I'm surprised they lost in the close matchup against Washington, but I don't see them losing this one in London. Interesting, because I'm going to take the Jets, and that just might be because I'm on the Zach Wilson train. I can't explain what it is, but I think the dude's got it. So Fair I enough. think he is going to put up a big day in London, and I'm going to take the Jets in this one. Next one, I think we'll both agree Patriots, Texans. We're both going to take the Texans, right? Not even uh, yeah, yeah, not even a chance. Not, not, not even a chance. I think the Patriots will win this one. They came off that nail-biter against the Bucks last week, so we'll just move along from there. NFC North matchup, Vikings and Lions. Yeah, I mean, Lions have actually been playing. I thought that they would be at least, like, or win only, like, one to three games this year, but they've been in a lot of close games. Um, I'm still going to take the Vikings, but, yeah. Uh, I'll go upset alert on this one. Like you said, the Lions have played a bunch of teams close all year. They've been putting together good halves, not good whole games. But I don't know. I think they rally around their head coach, Dan Campbell. I'm going to pick the Lions to upset the Vikings at home this week. Oh, uh, e- Eagles and Panthers. I think this one's a Panthers win. I do too. Um, Eagles are kind of iffy. The Panthers, after starting 3-0, they had a terrible first half or three quarters against the Cowboys last week. But then, you know, they almost came back. They only lost by seven or eight. So I'm going with Panthers as well. Yeah, I don't know. I just – my thing with the Eagles is sometimes they play, like, interesting, entertaining to watch football, mm-hmm. but they don't always get the results that they need to be getting. So I'm, that's why I'm going to rock with the Panthers. Looking at another NFC East team, Washington's taking on the Saints at home. Who do you got? Come on. I have to get Washington here. I mean – I don't know. Taylor Heineke hype train. I have to get with them. Okay, that's fine. Just uh, to play devil's advocate, I'll go with the Saints. I think Jameis will have another five-touchdown game. 
against that Washington defense right. that was supposed to be supposed to be one of the top in the league, and they have not been playing like that so far. Nope. Not to make you cry. But um, uh, moving along, another one in the 1 o'clock slot, Titans at Jaguars. I think it's the Titans. I just think the Jaguars is more of a circus than they ever imagined, and especially with everything going on with Urban Meyer. It's, I don't foresee them coming out and beating a decent Titans team. I want to go upset with the Jaguars, but like, like I thought last week that they would beat the Bengals because I was like, they're 0-3. They're primed for a, a win sometime soon. But you're right, with the Urban Meyer situation right now, I don't – I've been hearing a lot of reports saying that the players just don't have faith in them. So I'm going with the Titans as well. All right. And then the other two Florida teams are actually facing off. It's going to be the Dolphins at the Bucks, And I, I don't know. I think this one's a clear. You got to pick the Bucks. The Dolphins, two is hurt, and it's just – that's your starter. Where do you go from here? And it's the Bucks and Tom Brady. So, um, Packers Bengals. That's the Bengals have been a. I mean, I don't know. At least to me, like everyone knew that their offense was gonna come to play this year, but their defense was just iffy. So with their three and one start, it's kind of surprising to me, at least. But I'm still gonna get with Green Bay here. Yeah, I agree. I think they figured it out, whatever was wrong week one, and I think they're just going to start rolling and start stacking wins. So I I agree. Um, Broncos and Steelers. Steelers at home. Yeah, it's tough. I don't, is Teddy playing this week? I saw he has, like, a concussion. I'm not sure. He went out at halftime with a concussion last week. Yeah. It's in Pittsburgh. I, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Um, it said he returned to team meetings. This is this is an injury report from three hours ago. It says he returned to team meetings, so he's in the concussion protocol. But so, and you can give me two answers for this one. If he plays, are you taking the Broncos? If Teddy Bridgewater plays, are you taking the Broncos? If he plays with how their defense has been playing, yeah. But if Drew Locke plays, I think that the Steelers' defense finally has. Well, I think they have one good game recently either maybe last week but I think that they'll definitely make Drew Locke look like a backup okay I'll go I'll go Steelers in this one they've been in a slump and back at home in front of their fans maybe they figure it out against the Broncos team that just took their first loss Bears and Raiders I'm going for Bears okay that's crazy because I'm gonna go Raiders I think and we could probably have an hour-long argument about this I think the Raiders are a very good football team this year I think they just got too far behind themselves against the Chargers last week, and they're 3-1. and one. So, obviously, their record shows how good of a team they are on paper so far. But I just – they're at home. They're in Vegas, and I just think the Bears – Justin Fields is going to be the starter going forward. I just don't know if they have enough figured out to beat a, what I think is a good Raiders team. I agree. I think I think hopefully the uh, Matt Nagy will let Justin Fields kind of run more of the show this week. And then – the Raiders, I just don't have a lot of trust in John Gruden. I feel like they always will look promising, and they start somewhat good, but then they just collapse. I don't know. That's just my Absolutely. thought. Absolutely. And then what looks like it might be the game of the 4 o'clock window, Browns at Chargers. Is that at Chargers? Yes, it's like, in Los Angeles. Yep. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers here. Um Baker didn't have a really good week last week. Um, and then Jarvis Landry's still out. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers. They're hot right now. 
I'll take Browns on the condition that their run game gets going early mm-hmm. it, because they have a very good defense as well. So if you have to play from behind against that defense, I think it'll cause problems. But the Chargers are just, again, another AFC West team that's playing so, so well right now. But just for the sake of up in the air, I'll take Browns. Uh, Giants and Cowboys, 425. Cowboys, as much as I hate to say it, they're looking really good right now. Giants, are a lot of question marks, especially on offense. So Absolutely. I think this could be the year, honestly, and we've probably said it year last year, the year before, that the Cowboys really put together a solid season. Mm-hmm. But that's what it looks like so far. Trayvon Diggs playing out of his mind. Yeah, uh, he is. 49ers at Cardinals. I believe I don't I haven't heard, but Trey Lance might start. Yeah, he is starting. Um I've been a big Trey Lance fan from before he was drafted. So I'm gonna go with the 49ers here just because Arizona is still four now. Um yeah, I think 49ers. You think they'll win? Yeah, I think they'll win. All right. I'm not going to pick against Kyler Murray. He's my fantasy QB. He does big things for me. Uh, I think the Cardinals will stay unbeaten. Sunday night game, Bills at Chiefs. Tough one, tough one. Two best – I mean, Kansas City is, what, two and two now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't see him falling to two and three. And it's in Kansas City, primetime game, primetime Mahomes. I don't see them losing, even against yeah. the Bills defense. Cause yeah, they're- I- Absolutely. I think that them being at home does a lot. And if you're the Chiefs, you can't drop to two and three. You can't play this. Got to get back to 500 every week type of season. And I really think the home field advantage might be the thing that swings this one. Um, We'll wrap it up. Colts at Ravens Monday night. Yeah, I'm going Colts. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think – I don't know what the line is on this game, but I think it's going to be a close one surprisingly. But I think the Ravens definitely win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a Monday night in Baltimore, M&T Bank Stadium, I think it's going to be a good one. But I think the Colts' defense will pull some stuff out of their hat. I don't see this being like a Ravens runaway. And obviously the Ravens are so hurt that it's mm-hmm. going to be hard for them to really have those runaway type of games this year. And I think I, as many question marks as the Colts have, they started off 0-3. Carson Wentz has been Carson Wentz. I just I think it'll be a good matchup and a good way to end week five. With that being said, thank you, Tyler, for jumping back on here. And maybe we could turn this into a weekly thing. We'll play it by year. We'll find out. But maybe we'll have to add up our picks at the end of the year, too. Thanks again. Yep. And I'll let you out of here. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. No more parties in L.A. Please, baby, no more parties in L.A. Shout out Tyler, top of the hill, original, coming back to do the game picks. He's at Towson. I'm in Maryland. It's hard to get the show up and running together, but that worked pretty good. So I might try to keep that going because I know he likes being involved. We just can't make it work together right now the best way. So if that's the way he can stay around the show and I can keep him around the show, I'm going to look to keep that going forward. It's been a long show. It's been a great welcome back to the Airwave show. And I want to wrap it up with my top of the hill takes for this week. So I have three of them, like I said, at the top of the show, and my three takes this week are all NFL-related. My first one is about the Arizona Cardinals. I think that they're going to start the year at least 7-0, 4-0 right now, and their next three games are versus the 49ers at the Browns and versus the Texans. I think they should beat the 49ers. I don't think that's going to be a tight game. I think the Cardinals are that good that they'll beat them. The Browns game is going to be a tough one. They're going to Cleveland, but that'll be a real test to prove if they're for real or not. And if they win that game, they should stop the Texans the next week and they'll move to 7-0. And I believe they play Green Bay after that. 
So seven and zero as a Cardinals fan, it just it feels like it could be the year where Kyler and the offense and everything just kind of puts it together. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, the Cardinals. So if they get to seven and zero, they play the Packers after the Texans. So that'll be a major showdown. That game is eight twenty, so it's going to be a Sunday night game or Monday night. I don't know what at this time, October twenty eighth, what day of the week that is, but. It's going to be must-see TV, and I think Kyler Murray's must-see TV every week. He's in so entertaining to watch, and he can just do things that don't even look possible. My next take is about Lamar Jackson. If he keeps performing at the way he's been performing, carrying this offense through the injuries, through the storm that has been the first four games of the season for them, I think he'll win his second MVP award. I don't think he can continue to just put up stats and be so pivotal to this team the way that he is if they continue to win and – I think if they win and he has a year like he started the year, I think there's no way you can't – unless somebody comes out of the woodwork and has a crazy narrative, I think Lamar would take home his second MVP. It's just from the style of the offense that he's in, it works around him. He is the catalyst. And so if he has a phenomenal year, I don't see how he doesn't get MVP trophy number two on the mantle. And my final take, and this one might be the hottest one, is that the Chiefs will not win the AFC West for the first time first time since 2015 and that more so is just about their division catching up and them being bad their defense is an issue right now and if the Chargers are for real and the Raiders are for real and take a game the Chargers have already beaten the Chiefs so if they win the other one it's just there's a path for these other teams in the AFC West to win the division and I just think it's going to be a hotly contested race with that being said that was my show welcome back to top of the hill thank you for being along for the ride and I'm happy to be back in your ears and on the airwaves. So that being said, I'm going to let you out of here. Thanks for listening. Top of the Hill.